everybody. Good morning. Welcome again to our Sunday morning time together. Hope you've had a wonderful week and you're ready to get stretched a little bit because this morning I think I'm going to mess with you a little bit, rock your world, and uh, we're going to see what all God's going to bring out today. But I think it's going to be some things that are going to make you think, make you maybe give you some, uh, uh, some ammunition for meditation this week and to listen again to what I have to say this morning because we're probably gonna plow up some new ground for many of you. So just hold tight, uh, reserve judgment until you get a chance to really look at it and think about it, okay? I wanna begin over in Genesis chapter two and verse seven. Genesis chapter two and verse seven, and it says this, and the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. You've read this hundreds of times in your life. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being or a living soul. I think that the King James says, I was reading out of the New King James. What Genesis is telling us here is that man began as pure spirit. You are a pure spirit being. The, the, the spirit is the source of life, obviously. When God breathed into man the breath of life, man became a living being. All the body was was a container. That's all the body has ever been. It's just a container for the earth suit, if I can say it that way. But out of I am that I am, he breathed you into that body as I am. Now, I don't, I, I don't know that you've ever heard this taught before, but you were the breath. You were the spirit, the eternal spirit that always dwelt within the Father. You were the breath that he blew out of his lungs into your body to create this living being, all right? Your spirit entered your body and you became a living being. That's the breath that, that God blew out his nostrils. I am came out of I am that I am. Now, you maybe never, never, never thought about it in that light before, but I want you to think about it. You're a unique person, but you are fully, fully human in body form, but you're also eternal spirit. And it's the spirit that God breathed into your body, and that spirit that he breathed was your spirit. So I am is intricately associated and intertwined in union with I am that I am. James lays it out really well. In James chapter 2 and verse 26, he says the body without the spirit is dead. So if a body has no spirit, it just lays in a heap and it returns back to the dust that it was created from. The body's nothing more than like, <clears throat> you know, I don't have a sports jacket on this morning. I don't wear one anymore. Uh, you know, I just wear a shirt. Even if I minister in churches today, I don't wear a suit. But if I had my suit jacket on, the body would be like that suit jacket. But when I take that suit jacket off, I either hang it up on a hanger or, you know, I drop it on a chair, but there's no me in that, in that suit jacket anymore. When I escape the, the, the suit jacket, the suit jacket just lays in a, in, a, in a clump. It just lays in a heap, right? And so that's exactly what happens to the body when the spirit escapes. It's the spirit. It's the I am. The I am is the spirit that enters in. You are, you are eternal spirit. You are spirit that will always be spirit. You always were spirit. You were eternally spirit. You were in God before time began. You were, you were encased within him. And when he blew the breath of life, the spirit, the pneuma, actually the word soul in the old, um, old covenant, the word soul there is man became a living soul. It's the word nefesh. In the Greek, in the New Testament, it's the word suke. It's where we get the psyche, the mind, the, you know, the, the emotions, the will, the soul of man. And man became a soul that was living, that was, was breathing in this earth suit. But you, you were always spirit. You are spirit. And can I just tell you that you always will be spirit? You will never not be eternal spirit. Spirit knows no life. It knows no beginning. It knows no end. It knows only life, and it only knows life now in the, in the, in the now tense. You always are living. You were living, you are living, you will always live as spirit. Now you haven't been conditioned to believe that either in our culture or in religion, you've been conditioned to believe that you're just a mere man, to manifest as a mere man. You think, you think that you are a body that has a soul and you live by spirit. And if you were to ask 90% of Christians, the three parts of a, of a man, of a person, 90% will say body, soul, 
and spirit because that's the progression they think in. They think, first of all, body. They think what the five senses are, uh, are feeding to us, what the five senses are understanding, what they're perceiving as they encounter our experience as a human being. So 90% of people put body first, and then they put soul second and put spirit last. But that's not the progression that Paul taught, and that's not the progression that the scripture lays out. So if you've been thinking in the wrong way, if you've been thinking body, soul, and spirit, let me, let me just correct this for you over in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn over back to the, to the right of the book in 1 Thessalonians, and let me just read two verses for you real quick. I've got so much ground to cover this morning. I, I, I'm just going to, when my time is up, I'm just going to have to quit. i got so much to say. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse, let me start with verse 23. I'll just read 23. Not may the God of peace himself sanctify you or separate you completely, entirely, wholly, and may your, now watch the progression of Paul, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 24 says, he who called you is faithful also to do it. So the one that calls you is the one that will set you in right order. And he sets you in right order in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, when he breathed spirit, when he breathed you into that body, and when he breathed you spirit, pneuma, into that, into that body, nefesh, soul became a living being. And when spirit leaves that body, it's not going to be living anymore. It all depends on what spirit does. So I want to get you back in right order. I want you to begin to think spirit, soul, and body. Uh, we've lived most of our life as a, as a flesh being uh, trying to observe spirit, trying to understand spirit. Let me, let me change that for you this morning. I want you to begin to see spirit, live from spirit, and observe body. In other words, you pull back. What's going on in circumstances, what's going on in your experiences is not reality. Reality is what you perceive from spirit, not what body feeds to the soul through the five senses and then strengthens the soul to make decisions, to make uh, uh, turns in life that sometimes don't prove to be very valuable, do they? We have lived out of a very soulish nature and that soulish nature has been fed by the five physical senses. So get back in the right order. You're, you're a partaker of the nature of divinity to the extent that Jesus and David both said that you are gods. Now let me just let me just clear this up. You are not source. You are not source. We read in Ephesians 2:7 who source is. God is source. But out of source, he breathed you into that body. You came out of God. You came out of, of spirit. You came out of I am that I am. And when he breathed out of I am that I am, he breathed you so you can say I am. So you're not source. You're not source, but you're a very unique expression of divinity that's encased in flesh. And Jesus came to demonstrate that. Jesus came to show us that very thing. Let me just knock off uh, three verses of scripture, two verses about Jesus and one about you, just to make my point. And they're all from John, uh, from the, two of them from the gospel and one from 1 John. John chapter 14 and verse 28. Let me illustrate for you that the fact that you are not source, but you're a unique expression of source. You are the I am that originated out of the I am that I am. John chapter 14 and verse 28. Now this is Jesus speaking. John chapter 14, verse 28. <clears throat> Jesus said, you have heard me say to you, I'm going back. I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father. Now watch, here's the declaration of Jesus. My Father is greater than I. Now wait a minute. I thought, I thought Jesus was 100% human, 100% divine. Yes, he was. I thought you were 100% human, 100% divine. Yes, you are. And yet there is, a, there is a divine order that is established here. When the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit opened up their arms and accepted you into that, let me just say it's, it's called perichoresis. It's kind of the circle of life and it's expressed in a circle dance together, a dance of joy and unity and harmony and union. When they accepted you into that, you came in there in a very specific divine order. Jesus always pointed to the Father. 
When the Holy Spirit came, the Spirit does not speak of himself. The Spirit always points to Jesus. Now, isn't the Holy Spirit as much uh, divinity as the Father and the Son? Absolutely. But, they're, but they have a different order. They are one with distinction. Do you understand that? Jesus said, the Father is greater than I am. Jesus always pointed to the Father. Jesus deferred to the Father, always referred to the Father. Jesus was a unique expression of the Father in flesh form. Now, in John chapter 10 and verse 30, if you just back it up a little bit, now we have to put John 14, 28 with uh, John 10, 28, or John 10, 30, to get the full expression of Jesus. In John chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. So there you have it. I and my Father are one, John 10, 30. And yet in John 14, 28, Jesus says, the Father is greater than I am. Now let me bring that into your life. If we go to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, my life verse, this we can put on my tombstone someday, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are you in this present world. You are as he is, but you have a different order within that circle of divinity. You are, you are one, no separation, yet you are one with distinction. And I wanna really establish that because if, as we get into the I am, the power of the I am in your life, you're gonna to have to retain that union with distinction. You are the image and the likeness of I am that I am appearing as a man. And it's the I am within you that produces anything and everything as you. You are an heir of I am that I am. He has, the when, when, when the Father, when God blew the breath of life, when he took you as spirit being and blew you into that flesh body, he deposited within you, in that breath of his, he's taking everything that he has, and he put it within that body. He, he, breathed, he breathed your spirit, your eternal spirit, into that body. He, you were always in union with him. That doesn't mean you were source. You, listen, you came out of source. Can you see that from Genesis 2-7? You came out of source, oneness with distinction. And when he blew the spirit, when he blew you into that body, he put the fullness, the entire fullness of everything that he is, he put that within you, including the ability to create. And that's what we're learning about, the ability to create. You and he are co-creators. Your co-labors together, the scripture says. So you can say that I am as I am that I am. Just as with the Father, your thoughts create. They manifest even as his did. And we're going to look at it from Genesis. Your thoughts create even as the Father's did from the Genesis account in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. Because your thoughts create, then you want to eliminate every negative thought in your life that would try to take dominion over your life through the data that the five senses feed your soul. When the five senses feeds a negative data to your, to your mind, you want to reject that thought. That's not where you live. That's not where you come from. I told you earlier in the teaching, at the very start of the teaching, that we have to shift our, our focus. We are not a human trying to have a spiritual experience. You are 100% spirit that happens to be here having a human experience. The body allows you to have that human experience. But the real you is spirit. So you are spirit having a human experience. In fact, that's why I believe God's, God came as us so that he could encounter the human experience. The only way that the Father can have a human experience is through you, through your body. So in the, in the grand scheme of things, when God created, he knew exactly what he was doing. So we are spirits that we're observing what's going on in the natural. But we understand the natural is not the reality. The reality is spirit. That's what Paul was driving at in Romans chapter 8. Let's read that. Romans chapter 8, you know, we, we read verses and we, we see them all the time. And I think sometimes we don't give them credit because we've heard them so often we already think, I know what that means. Let the Spirit of God take it down deeper for you in life. Let him reveal new things from you for you out of your I amness. Verse 12, chapter 8. Here's where we're living from. 
Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. See, the flesh are the five physical senses that, that try to feed data. See, the soul, the, the flesh has no mind of its own. The flesh will do whatever either the soul or the spirit tells it, whichever is stronger. Now, the, the, the flesh feeds data to the soul, and it also feeds data to the spirit. The soul wants to dominate and take that, take that information that the flesh feeds it and, and, and say to the spirit, you better be quiet because this is what's going on. This is reality. You're in trouble here. We, you, see, you, see, you see what's going on? You better, you better back up. You better be fearful. You better feel insecure. It's whichever is stronger, the soul or the spirit, the body will respond to. So he says in verse uh, 12, we're not debtors to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you die. You're, you're disconnected from, that doesn't mean you're going to uh, physically die uh, necessarily. It doesn't mean, but what it means is that you're not connected to the intensity you should be connected to, to life, to Zoe. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. When you put to death the deeds of the body, you, you say to the body, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not moved by the daddy you're feeding me. That's not my reality. I'm observing it. I see it. I'm not denying it. But that's not my reality. That's not where I live from. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. We, can, we, we will never act in full sonship until we get out of this body mode and the, and the uh, impressions that, it's, uh, that it feeds to the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, and stop responding out of our, out of our mind, our will, and our emotions to what, this, what the flesh is telling it. The Spirit needs to tell the flesh, shut up. It needs to tell the soul, no, you get in line. I am a spirit being. I happen to possess a soul and I live in a body. But what I possess and what I live in does not run my life. I am, a, I am fully spirit. So that's the path that we want to take as we continue to identify our identity as divinity. So the key to not living <laughs> an abundant life that Jesus promised we could have is not living out of the soul and the, and the flesh, but giving precedence to everything that the Spirit says. I'm trying to get this point across to you. The human experience is to be in submission to the Spirit consciousness. What the Spirit picks up on, the Spirit wants to create for us. It fills your mind with thoughts. The thoughts should be enhanced with imagination. And that imagination should drop seeds into your spirit, into your heart, into the ground, into your subconscious. And whatever is in there is going to be created and produced. So what we want to do is we want to let the I am, that which is a chip off the old block of the I am that I am, that came into this being to make it a living soul. We want to, we want to umpire every thought that comes into our mind from our flesh. Every, every response that comes out of flesh into our soul, we want, to, we want to umpire. Do I want to keep it? Do I not want to keep it? Paul said in, Second, in, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, Colossians 3, 15, I'm just going to paraphrase it, Keithley paraphrase. He said, casting down imaginations and thoughts and every high thing that would exalt itself catch this, exalt itself against the knowledge, the revelation knowledge that you have of Christ, that you have of the Father, that you have of your I amness. When any thought would enter in that would try to overshadow that, that would try to overcome it, that would try to dictate to it, you take that thought and you bring it down. And it, and it, actually that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. What I wanted to hit is let, is let, um, let your spirit umpire. And that's Colossians, what is it? Colossians 3.15. Listen to this. And I'll get, I'll, let me get back to 2 Corinthians in a minute. Colossians 3.15. Here's, here's what we want to do. Here, we want to umpire the thoughts. It says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. The, word, the Greek word rule there is the word brabuo. Brabuo. And it means let the peace of God be an arbitrator. And I kind of let the cat out of the bag. The better word is umpire. You know what a baseball umpire does? An umpire has control of the game. He says ball and strike. He says safe or out. He says fair or foul. The umpire is the one that's in charge of the game. He controls the flow of the game. 
negative thoughts, when negative thoughts come, they create a false perception. When negative thoughts fill your mind, we've all gone through this, <clears throat> negative thoughts of fear, insecurity, um, all, kinds of, all kinds of things that, that try to, to destroy our mind, they create a false perception. And that false perception creates a false reality. You start seeing life wrong. You start seeing it from a soulish perspective. You start seeing it from what your, your flesh has fed to your mind. All right? And a fake reality, a, a fake perception creates a fake reality. And when you're living in a fake reality, you know what happens? You make bad decisions. You make bad choices. You set bad priorities, listen, that create a life for you that you did not want. That you did not want. Now let me go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. We cast those thoughts down. We cast those imaginations down that are fed into our mind by our body, our five physical senses. We don't give them priority and we take every thought captive. That means you examine it. You grab a hold of it and you make it submit to what you know to be about Christ. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of of Christ. So the truth is this, when you look at your life, the truth is this, for the most part, you have created through what you see, you have created, you have created, you have created the life you live in. You've been a creator. You may not have recognized it, but the life you're living today, for the most part, you know, I'd say, I don't want to put a percent on it, but the vast majority of the life you're living has come from the choices and the decisions that you have made based on your perception of reality, which has come through the thoughts that you have deposited into your heart that is that is um, inspired you to make choices and decisions, sometimes not the best. And out of those choices and decisions, you have created sometimes a mess. We've all faced things that are negative. We've all faced things that are contrary. Some, some of those are our making, some of them aren't our making. And I want to talk to you about facing things that are maybe not of your, your making or what you created. Have you ever noticed how two people can see the same situation, the, sa the same negative circumstance? Jesus addressed that when he said, whoever hears my sayings and does my sayings is like a man that builds his life on a rock, builds his life on a firm foundation. And those that don't build it on a, on a sand foundation. But notice in that, in that scripture that the rains, the winds, uh, everything that beats against the life is the same whether you do the sayings of Jesus or don't do the sayings of Jesus. But if you do the sayings of Jesus, you have created a different reality for yourself in your life stance. The place where we are held captive and the place where we have created negativity in our life is in our head. And we need to bring those things down that try to pull us away from responding to what the Spirit is showing us, which, you know, the sayings of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the mind of Christ, is revealing to us. What would have been your thoughts? I'm going to put you in Paul's place for about five minutes. What would have been your thoughts? What would you have created for yourself in Acts chapter 16, in verses uh 24 to 34. Let me tell you what's going on in Acts chapter 16. Paul's out ministering the gospel. He's out spreading the good news, teaching grace, doing a wonderful job with it. All of a sudden, these people begin to follow him. And this little gal has a spirit of divination, has a spirit of divination. She's, she's harassing Paul, irritating Paul. Paul finally turns around and tells her, look, be quiet. I'm not listening to you. You got no part in what I'm doing. And he shuts that, that spirit of divination up. Now that makes the, the, the handlers of this girl really upset because they've just lost their income. This girl was making them money. So these guys are upset. So they haul Paul into the, uh, Paul and Silas into the, into the court and the court throws them into a prison in the back of the prison, puts their feet in stocks. Get a picture of this. What would have been your thoughts? What would you have created for yourself? You're back here in the back part of a prison where it's smelly, stinky. They didn't have modern sanitation. Not getting anything to eat unless somebody brings you something to eat. What would have been your thoughts? Here I'm out here preaching the gospel, doing my best, living for Jesus, trying to follow what I know to be the call in my life. And look what it got me. Back here in the back of this prison. Would that have been your thought? 
because if it had been your thoughts, you would have created a different reality than what Paul created. Paul and Silas in the back of that prison, listen to what their thoughts were. They broke out into a, a praise service. They began, they began to rejoice in the circumstance. Now that set an entirely different scenario. It set, it set an entirely different atmosphere. In fact, it sh the prison shook, the chains fell off, the doors opened, and nobody escaped. They're starting, to, they're starting to create something different than most of us would have created. The jailer comes in and sees nobody's escaped, and it would have been his life if they would have escaped. And as a result of that, when you get down to about verse 33, verse 34, Paul and Silas are able to open the eyes of the jailer and his family as a result of the way they responded to what the circumstances would have appeared to have been negative from what the five physical senses were feeding to the mind. Now, they, they could have gone one of two ways. Many people, when they hit a negative circumstance and they were you know, doing the best they can, trying to work for Jesus, you know, the whole nine yards, and all of a sudden adversity pushed back faces them. They give up, they throw up their hands. They create a scenario for themselves that they don't want to live in, but because they have created the thought and they have verbalized it and imagined it and created a whole scene, that becomes their reality based on their perception. We think we have all kinds of needs. Because our body tells us, tells our mind, man, you lack money. You're, you're lacking love. You're, you, you don't have any friends. The freedom you used to have, it seems like it's being restricted. All these things are, are, are warring against your life and hurting you. And those, when, we, when those, when those uh, impulses come from our senses to our mind, and we buy into that and we think about it, and then the movie starts. That's what imagination is. It, it starts as a movie and it runs. And the more you imagine, the more, the longer the movie runs. And some of us have got a double feature on negativity. And then we wonder why our life is producing what we have been imagining. I'm telling you, imagination is a creative force. I'm probably going to spend four or five weeks on imagination because it's powerful. When, we get, when I feel like we get to that point, we can handle it. The only, the only lack you have is a lack of God consciousness in every circumstance of life. Paul kept it through the whole thing. Paul kept a God consciousness. He kept a focus on where he was going, and that created thoughts, and he imagined. I think in that celebration, celebrate. When, you, when, you're, in, when, you're, in bad, when you're in a bad position, celebrate. Immediately celebrate. That should be the first thing that comes to your mind. You lose your job, celebrate. Car breaks down, celebrate. Whatever thing happens, celebrate. It creates the thoughts and the imaginations and the seeds into the subconscious that will take that negative situation and create for you the best that it possibly can. Let's forget about Paul. And I want to read this one because this is heavy, man. Whenever I get to, you know, whenever those thoughts start coming to me and I want to feel bad for myself, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a blue Monday or Blue Tuesday because of, of negativity that's trying to flood my life. I go back over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and this, this, this sets it for me. Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Paul says, Now this is the guy that had revelation beyond anybody up to that point in, in life. He had more revelation, wrote, wrote the vast majority of post-resurrection scripture, outspreading, got direct revelation from Jesus. <laughs> Here's Paul's life. From the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes, save one. That means he got the tower beat out of him. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys, in perils of water, perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Man, that guy was in a lot of perils. That means adversity, pushback against me. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger, thirsty and fastings, in cold and nakedness. And then he says in verse 28, besides all of that stuff that's going on from the outside, I have all this stuff that comes upon me daily, my concern for the churches. So Paul was being pushed from without and from within. He had emotional stress that tried to take him uh, in, internally from the churches that were all jacked up, messed up over in Corinth. He was hearing all kinds of stories. Plus all this time he's facing all this adversity from the outside. Let me, let me ask you something. What would have been your thought pattern in all that? 
You're facing all that that Paul did. What did Paul do? Paul kept his mind on I am. He knew that I am, that I am, had, had, had revealed to him, had sent him, and Paul never lost consciousness of I amness. And he manifested that I am. When they, when they knew in the mental that things did not look good, they did not accept the mental of the negativity that the appearances were feeding. They pulled back and they began to put different, Paul put different thoughts into his mind, which created different imagination. You, you, they took, listen, they took what circumstances tried to kill them with, they took those circumstances and turned them around through thoughts and imaginations and creativity, the fulfillment of the plan that God sent them to, to create. Circumstances tried to kill Jesus on the cross. Circumstances tried to make it look like everything was, was over. It was done. But Hebrews chapter 12, and I, I need to read this because I want to get the wording just right. I want you to see how Jesus handled this. Hebrews chapter 12 and just um, verses 2 and 3. Now here's Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking at, our, in other words, he's the pattern. This is what you want to do. Who for the joy that was set before him, or that was his thought. That was his thought pattern. The joy that was set before him. He saw the end product. And that's what he imagined. His imagination created uh, a view of many, many sons, many brothers, many sisters. That's what held him. Now, when the circumstances pushed against him, he did not let go of that imagination. There's a lesson in there for all of us right there. You got to hang on to your I amness. Who for the joys that was set before him endured the cross. He endured it. Didn't, it didn't shake him. Despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. So what he, what he allowed to uh, fill his being was the joy. He turned what would have appeared to have been, if he would have listened to his, the data his senses were sending him, it would have appeared to have been devastating. But he took those, those circumstances and created the reconciliation of the cosmos. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He let none of that go. All of creation always begins with a thought. Everything created begins with a thought. This camera that I'm working off of to teach you this morning began somebody, a thought with somebody. They created it. The shirt that I'm wearing, the design of it, somebody thought it and created it. All creation, you, are, you have created so much more than you've realized, but our creativity has, our creation ability has been stymied because we think we're just a human. So we have limitation. No, you're not. We are, we are, we've, we have forgotten where we came from. We came out of Genesis 2, 7. We came out of the breath of God. He breathed you. He took of himself everything that he is, all of his fullness, and put it within that physical body that you're living in and expressing as a human experience. This is the way God created. Can I, can I read it for you? All right, this is going to shake you up a little bit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26. Let's just start right here at the beginning of the book and let's see how the Father did it. I'm trying to just get past these couple of, you know, it's hard to get Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. We, we, we read these a lot. You've heard it a lot. Here's, here's what we think is the creation story, but it's not. It's not. I'm going to show you Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28 was God thinking, God creating in his mind, his imagination, putting the whole picture together before he ever created it. Watch. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, plurality, Elohim, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all active in this. Let's have a part in this, guys. <clears throat> let us create man. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them, plurality, male, female, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, cattle over all the earth and every creeping thing. So God created man, created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Then verse 28, bless them. God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now we've read that normally as that's when man was created. I don't believe so. 
I don't believe so. That was going on in the mind of God. He was, he was thinking this out entirely. Now, when you come down to chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Really? Okay. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he entered into the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all of his work which which the God which God had created and made. Verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in in the day of the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now watch verse 5. Before any plant of the field of in the earth was was created before the herb of the field had grown for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, watch this, and there was no man to till it. Hold the phone. I thought back in Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, 28, he created. No. Chapter 2, verse 5, no man yet to till the ground. Man was not existent yet. Verses 26, 7, and 8, chapter 1, God's thinking it through. He's He's filling his mind with the thoughts. See, this is how, what we need to do. What did God really want? What did he desire? What is it you want? What is it you desire? That's what you need to think. That's where you need to declare, I am. What is it that, you, what is it that you're trying to fulfill? I am. Not trying to be. Not hoping to be. Not getting my faith out there, uh, praying, hoping and praying that one day it'll be. No, I am. Now, what's, in verse 5, there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Doesn't say anything was there yet. Verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Here comes the creation. Now this is on the seventh day. This is out of rest. All creation. Listen, your creation, what you're going to do, comes from a place of rest. It's not where you have to labor or sweat or toil to get it done. The sweat, the labor, and the toil is in thinking and imagining. That's the, that's the work. That's the work God rested from. This seventh day, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 7, comes out of rest. It, God's not working. He formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, I could go into that. I could spend the whole teaching on that. What I want you to see is that he said that his word would never return void. It would accomplish the thing that he sent it. So when he sent his word <clears throat> from his mind and he formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed life into him, it was manifested fully. He created, he created chapter 2, verse 5, what he envisioned, thought, imagined in chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8. That's the process, guys. That's the process. The voice to the thoughts to the imagination drop to the consciousness, subconsciousness, the heart, the spirit, however you want to express it. And then out of the abundance of that, when it begins to grow and that full corn in the ear manifests, then you use your words to speak what it was that you planted in there to begin with. Our words expressing our thoughts gives us the freedom to say, I am and create. When you, when you say, I am, more than a conqueror. Not that I'm trying to be more than a conqueror. Not that I'm hoping one day I can walk as more than a conqueror. When you say, I am, and you know that you know, because that thought's come into your mind. You, you have created imagination, what it looks like to be more than a conqueror. At your job, in your finances, with your family, with your marriage, with your business. What, what it looks like, what it feels like, what's the emotion involved. I think in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8, God was feeling, man, I'm getting excited about what this thing's going to look like. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be beyond anything the universe has ever seen. So when he got to chapter 2, verse 5, the fulfillment of the, of the thought of God, the imagination of God had fulfillment when he blew breath into that, that dirt man that he picked up and created out of the ground and blew your spirit into it and it became a living soul. God goes, whoa. This is, this is good stuff right here. See, when you, say, when you say, I'm able to do all things through Christ, I am able to do all things through Christ, you're creating a world that's unlimited. 
But until you know that I am able, that I am more than a conqueror, that I am a manifested son of God, as long as it's out there and you're trying to get to it, you're trying to live to it, your imagination will never, your imagination brings it into the now. When you're saying all things are possible because I'm a believer, you're recognizing and creating your I amness. All things are possible to me because I am. I am a believer. I am able to do all things. See, we've, we, haven't, we haven't exercised our I amness. We thought we're just a human. Three score and 10 years, we're off the sea. Maybe, maybe four score for really doing well, real healthy. But I'm blowing out of here. I'm just, I'm just a human being. We've forgotten where we came from. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. Can I just remind you this morning that you were a spirit, you are a spirit, and you will always be an eternal spirit that God breathed out of himself. The I am that I am breathed I am you out of him, his very essence, the fullness of his being and creating a living soul, you. I think we, we're kind of like prodigal sons. We're returning back to the father's house. We're beginning to get consciousness back. Our memory's starting to come back to us as, as to who we were. We've been down here in the pig pen living on such a low level, and now we're beginning to understand, I need to get back and regain the estate that my father said I could have, but I have lost it in my thinking. And that's just what the father's been looking for. The father's been waiting for us to come to this place of I amness. I'm a chip off the old block. I'm a cup of water out of the ocean. I am out of, I am that I am, but I am, I am entirely and fully all that I am that I am is, but I am not the source. I am the expression of the source. That's what the father's been looking for. And when he looks out on the horizon and he sees us starting now to move back to where we should have been the whole time, should have never left it. He's gonna run out, put a ring on your finger, sandals on your feet, put a robe on your back, say, let's get to the house and let's really get busy creating. The helper within us, the spirit of truth within us is taking us, my friend, he's taking us to depths we have never known. And some of us are a little bit, still a little bit hesitant to step out of the boat into the water because we don't know how deep the water is. Because some of the things that we're going into, we can't locate a scripture verse to tie to it. We've been so tied to the Bible that if we can't get a scripture verse, we're not going to believe it. What do you think, what, what do you think would have happened to, with Jesus and Paul if they would have had to have a scripture verse to tie to everything that they taught that was revelation? Scripture says that if we recorded everything that Jesus did, all the books of the world couldn't handle it. So there's a lot that Jesus said and did that's not written down. Jesus told the disciples, I got a lot of things to tell you guys, but you can't handle it yet. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Jack Nicholson, that's what he said. You can't handle the truth. But guess what? We're maturing. It's been 2,000 years. We should be there. We're starting to mature. We can handle more truth than any generation that's ever been on the face of the earth. Paul should just be a starting place for us. Paul said that it would take the ages to come for the Father to show us the depths and the riches of his grace that he has for us in Christ Jesus. We're just starting to get there. As secure sons, we're beginning to seek, we're beginning to knock, and as we seek and knock, I'll tell you what, things are opening up. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, and I'm going to, uh, you know, we're going to start bringing, landing this plane, but I've, I've probably got about seven, eight more minutes. If you can just give me a little bit more time, because this is important. You need to understand this. Ephesians chapter two, verse six says that he's raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because of where you're sitting today, let me tell you this. His ways are no longer higher than your ways. His thoughts no longer higher than your thoughts. You are seated with him. Old Covenant, that was they could say that. But you are positioned next to him to hear what he's saying. And what he's saying to you is creating your I amness. Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. When you read scriptures like that, it just opens up and we're no longer hesitant to claim our identity as divinity and take our place as I am.
We should be, no longer be hesitant to take our place as a co-creator. Scripture says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus. And guess where Christ is? It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Man, you've got it all inside you. The day of running all over the country to try to hear somebody give you a prophetic word or tell you, or you're going to go to and say, what do I need to do? I need to make a choice. I, 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 I'm just so confused. Those, look, those days are over. You need to clear the deck. And you need to start taking uh, charge of those thoughts that are entering your mind that are not helping you to create out of your I am-ness. The day of division by theology is over. We're, we're walking on a higher level than that. The I am that I am is wanting to express himself through you as your I am. Your knowing I am is the key that opens up all the riches of the kingdom, opens up the actual doors, blows, it blows those gates wide open for you. Your I am unlocks the treasures of the kingdom that in generations past have been mysteries, but they're not mysteries anymore. Your thoughts are seeds. Your imagination cultivates those seeds. And at one point, those seeds drop into your heart. And when it grows big in your heart, when the full corn in the ear comes in your heart, then your mouth should speak the words out and say, I am whatever is in there. We've got to eliminate all the I am nots. The I am nots are the result of what the flesh has fed the mind and you've given place to that tells you you can't. That's the start of agreement and nothing ever takes place. The work is finished. Everything that's ever going to be created has been created. The Father did that in the first six days and on the seventh day he rested because creation in his mind, in his imagination, was finished. <clears throat> and when it comes into your mind and imagination and you start to give a place, look, it's done, it's finished then it's a matter of it being manifested, chapter 2, verse 5. It's a matter of manifestation coming from what has been thought and imagined in your heart. Notice that God on that seventh day created man out of rest. He didn't sweat, he didn't toil. Creating is not sweating and toiling for you. Everything that's going to be created, I am that I am, has already created so that I am can bring it from the invisible to the visible, from the unseen to the seen. That's all we're doing here. I'm not source. Source created it all. I am bringing it out of invisibility to visible, from unseen to seen. We need to express what I am, not what I am not. Can I tell you this? You need to start proclaiming yourself to be what you desire. What is it that you really desire? Begin to proclaim you are that. From the place of delight, delight yourself in the Lord. What is it that you desire? From that place of delight, I am that I am will give I am the desires of his heart. Expression always follows impression. What is impressed on us, what we, what we allow to grow within us always comes to expression. Impression from thoughts that create. Impression from imaginations that develop. Impressions from seed that has been sown. Expression never comes first. There has to be the impression. There has to be the creative process. There have been times we say, man, I wish I had more money. We just try to jump right over there. No, that's not how you create. That's not how you create. Ephesians 2.10, let me just quote it again for you. You are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. That should be the first two I am's that you ever, ever get solidified. I am the workmanship of God. He created me within him and then breathed me into that flesh body. And today I'm walking around expressing that flesh body. My spirit has given life to this flesh body. I am giving expression. I am came out of I am that I am in chapter 2, verse 7. And I became a living being. And you need to, you need to understand you were created. I, you are the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus. That is such new ground for most believers. They believe they were created in Adam or they were created from their parents. No, no, you were created in Christ Jesus. That should be your second I am. I am, first of all, I am the workmanship of God. I am a piece of work, brother. I am, I am the workmanship of God. My personality, my uniqueness, all comes from him. 
and he created me in Christ Jesus. And he created me to do good works. I do the works. I do the creation. I do the creativity in my mind, my thoughts, my desires. I create that. He created me for good works. And he ordained beforehand that I would walk in them. So he's already given me the okay. He's given me the okay to create the good work. And that's where we need to live. Amen? All right. I think I've covered enough ground today. Let me just stop right there. Uh, we'll get into some more of this next week and the weeks that follow because we're just we're still laying some foundation. So don't get nervous. Don't get restless. If it's still a little bit new to you, uh, you don't, don't have to run out to try to work it. I want you right now to concentrate on what I am, your I amness. You need to you need to get established so that you're not thinking you might be or hoping one day you'll look like that. It has to be knowing I am. And when you know that you know I am, then you're then you're in a position where you can begin to fill in the blank out of the desire that has been thought, expressed in imagination, and put within the heart to grow until the mouth begins to speak it with power. For the mind to speak it, for the mouth to speak it with power, it's gotta be out of the abundance of the heart. Can't be just a little bit of seed dunner. It's gotta be growing in abundance. So you have to crock pot some of this. Don't be afraid to crock pot things. Don't be in such a hurry to run out and try to, to be something that you're in development of being. If you try to go pick corn off the stalk before the, the tassel comes, you're not going to get good corn. You're not going to get anything. And that's what happens with us. Let it grow and simmer and crock pot until your heart is overflowing with it. And when your mouth expresses it, you're going to know that you know that you know. And that's where we want to live. You can create the life that you want to live. Stay with me at the Digital Cathedral. There's good times ahead, brother. It's going to get better and better and gooder and gooder. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you Wednesday night at The Secret Place and next Sunday morning back at the Digital Cathedral. Love all of you. Thank you for sticking with me. Don't miss a week. You miss a week, you're going to be behind. See you next time.